You're listening to Muscles, Motherhood, and Motivation. I'm your host, Chloe Puff. Well, I am here with a wonderful friend of mine and incredible professional in the dance industry here in Washington. And I'm not even going to attempt to butcher her last name. So (laughs) I want to introduce you to Natalia Z. Go ahead and tell tell us your official last name and its beautiful Russian glory. Natalia Zerzhevska. Yes, beautiful. So just to introduce her, Natalia is a dancer, instructor, and choreographer based in Seattle. She's been teaching and choreographing for almost 10 years and is very well known in the Washington community. And I will just say, too, that she has put on some incredible performances and pieces um, in some shows that I have put on. And it has been a wonder to watch her over the years. She's got unique teaching methods and as one one of the youngest dancers in the United States to turn pro in the dance sport industry, she's got so much extensive training and expertise in ballroom. Out of transitioning out of the ballroom competition circuit, um, she started Heels, and this is kind of where we see her now directing and leading her own group called Z Theory, which focuses on this heels training and female empowerment, which we love, mm-hmm. uh, especially because it does have to do with empowerment through movement and that mentality. So I would love for you to give us a short little snippet on Z Theory and all it is that you're doing these days. Oh man, there's so much, especially with the new year coming up. Um, Z Theory first and foremost is um, a movement and mindset company, meaning we split our classes kind of half and half with um, a culture of um, awareness, self-reflection, a supportive community. And then also on top of that, have a very disciplined, high quality way of teaching heels through um, a variety of uh, programs that we have. We have our foundation program, our academy program, and then we're actually opening up our company um, next year, which is super, super exciting. Congrats. It before, but thank you. Yeah, the company will be uh, the one that performs at the hopefully shows that we will hopefully have. <laughs> oh, d- baby Jesus, I am just <laughs> waiting. I-, I can't believe over the last two years, this lack of live performance. It is sucking my soul. I cannot wait. I I hope you guys get to put some stuff on stage. For people who don't really, I've always found this growing up in dance, for people who aren't really in the dance scene or dance industry, can you describe what like ballroom and heels would look like or where, like what kind of references people could Are you trying to, (laughs) do you understand kind of what I'm getting at? Like, I feel like there's this perception of dance, like, oh yeah, teach me how to dance, but it's, it's very different and more intricate. So for those who don't know, can you describe what heels really means? Yeah, that's, um, that's actually a difficult question because it's just formulating, right? It's kind of a new style in comparison to, um, anything else right and in comparison to like ballet or hip-hop or contemporary um first and foremost heels is a shoe um I want to get that across I think um the art of dancing in the shoe what way um different instructors go about that is kind of the 
path that we're paving right now. So a lot of people have a lot of different opinions. Um, it is a symbol of empowerment. Um, it's also a symbol of aesthetic. Um, so to people that don't know what heels dance is, I think the main thing that I want them to stray away from is that it is this kind of, um, how do I say this? Like that it's this like sexy, like super, super sexy thing that they can't do. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. actually extremely accessible, um, yeah. to a lot of different types of people. And there are a variety of heels styles. And then after heels, a sister of heels is like, um, burlesque. Then there's pole. Then there's, um, Vogue is danced in heels, ballroom and dance is danced in heels, showgirl style is danced in heels. So there's like so many different um, styles within the umbrella and there really is a style available for everybody. Uh, so yeah, just for them to know that it is a shoe <laughs> and there are many Love it. in the shoe and ours is just one way that you can dance in the shoe. I love it. I love that. It, the fact that it's accessible, because I feel like when, especially when we put like I'm a dancer out or do you want to become a dancer? I have a heels class. I have a heels company. Like sometimes I feel like from an outside perspective, those can be really intimidating. So it's good to know that it's just so not necessarily easy, but accessible for all types of people. So from what I understand, you've been doing this for a very long time as far as dance. So Tell me about your kind of your background in dance and kind of what brought you to this point in your career. Yeah, um, it's it's been a long time. It's been a weird journey. Um, dance has been like a love-hate relationship <laughs> throughout mm-hmm. my life, as for everybody. But um, I started out in, so I guess it all started with uh, the fact that when I was born, I didn't have very good motor skills. Um, I had some, um, (laughs) what's the word? Like developmental things? Yeah. Yeah. I had some, I had some developmental, uh, setbacks and uh, I was too fragile of a child to, uh, go get put in sports and I had like no motor skills. So my parents decided to put me into dance and the Russian community that we were in had ballroom and it had ballet. So like the ballet studio I got put in was ballet, jazz, tap, I believe. Um, And that was it. And then the ballroom studio was a different one. And I, at this point, I hated dance. Oh no. Burning passion. I just liked to do my own thing. I didn't like rules. (laughs) I, I was never very good. So I would get like yelled at and kicked out of class a lot. Um, and I just did not like it. I would cry every time my mom took me to a ballet class. Oh, and, poor baby. <laughs> and then finally, um, I made a deal with her. I was like, I'll, I'll keep stretching. Like, I'll keep my splits as long as I don't have to go to ballet anymore. And my mom was like, okay, well, if you don't go to ballet, you can't go to the studio because it's like a package deal. So she's like, okay, you can't take tap or jazz. You only have to take ballroom. And I was like, that's totally fine. Whatever it takes. <laughs> Just get me out of here. Get me out. Um, So that's how I fell into ballroom is I just kind of, that was my compromise with my parents. That's hilarious. (laughs) 
And with that too, I kind of just was in it because it was all I knew. And I, I was just never, I was never very good. I, I never had like a partner. It was something I went to because my parents um, forced me to and wanted me to develop my skills. It was always really difficult for me. Like people would um, grasp it and I would not. And then in like my teen years, it was the only friend group I had. So all of a sudden it became a social thing that defined my identity. And then at like 13 or 14, something really clicked. And I was like, oh, I think I want to do this for real. And I'm kind of behind. <laughs> that was kind of <laughs> my my thought process there. And um, that was the year I told my mom, I was like, mom, this is the plan. I want a partner. There aren't any partners here. I want to move to Germany, found a boy there. Long story short, there's like a way you find dance partners on the internet. It's totally non-sketch, promise. (laughs) It's an established institution (laughs) deep deep inside. Don't worry, listeners. (laughs) But um, yeah, pretty much I, I went to Germany to dance with this boy and it completely changed my life. I was there for a month because I was there on like a visa and I got exposed to a European training environment and really amazing friends. Um, and I just loved it. And I had to come back because of the documents and I came back and I just started, it was like a switch went off in my brain. I just started training, like training, training, training. Mm. Um, at that point I was, um, I had dropped out of school. I did online school um, because I knew I was going to Germany and I was like enrolled, I was about to enroll in like a German school there. So I was learning German. I was taking it extremely seriously. Um, dropped out. And you were what? 15, you said? At, at this point I'm 15. Yeah. Jeez at, this Louise. Point, <laughs> at this point I'm 15. I really know what I want. I've at this point told the principals at my school that I'm dropping out first and told my parents second. Um, which was not a good idea. Do not recommend, but it worked out for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, I just started training like crazy and I got a call a couple of days before my flight there that my visa got declined <gasps> and I could no longer go. Um, because there was something either wrong with my documents or there was like a political thing going on. So all my stuff was shipped over there pretty much no one, everyone here, I thought I was like, thought I was gone already. Uh, So I was just heartbroken completely. But because of that, I was able to take, I think it was six or nine months where I just trained. I just took the bus. Like I did my online classes and I took the bus to the studio and I trained. And I think those years, that year of my life was the most important because that's when I stood in front of myself and a mirror and figured out how the how of how I do things now. Mm-hmm. It became extremely important to me. And I feel like what I developed for myself that year in order to kind of teach myself um, really helped me develop the techniques I teach now. And then fast forward, um, that didn't work out. That's gone. Um, my dance partner, Umario, moves here from the Czech Republic to dance with me also through that non-sketch dating site. So yes. as you tell, it's non-sketch or not dating. Oh my God. Non-sketch it's essentially followers. like a dance partner site set up 
almost a like a dating site. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly how it's set up. It's like, hi, I'm Natalia. Here's a video of me dancing. This is what, where I live. This is my level. Um, Do I'm you like pina coladas <laughs> and getting hot in the rain? Boom. Exactly. <laughs> totally. But um, yeah, Umario and I had been um, kind of connecting on that site even before um what before I moved to Germany I knew of him so we kind of reconnected and both agreed that this was kind of the time for for him to make the leap and come here and um that's what really started my dance career because we were just two at, at that point I'm 16 and he's 18 and we're just two kids but we had so much drive mm-hmm. and so much kind of naivety that we were actually able to accomplish a lot without um, a strong team in the industry, which is really kind of unheard of now that I'm older and I understand. But pretty much he he moved here and within two weeks we had created five ballroom dances, which you create, like in retrospect, you create with a team of teachers that all kind of give them their input and help you make it, practiced it. Um, somehow figured out costumes to wear rhinestone them ourselves, like flown ourselves out to California and like placed sixth place at regionals. That's fantastic. The most resourceful children. (laughs) That's amazing. It's just one of those moments where looking back, we're like, wow, we really did that. Like, what were we thinking really? And how did we get as far as we did with just zero, like zero guidance, um, but then, yeah, fast forward, we danced together for uh, three years, accomplished a lot. But um, throughout that time period, I got into um, a car accident, actually right at the beginning of when he when he had moved here. So I didn't actually think it was very uh, severe at first, but it was one of those injuries that kind of sneaks up on you. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Causes more problems down the line. Yeah, I uh, I got two herniated discs, and although that is tolerable, um, ballroom dance has a lot of twisting in it, yeah. twisting motions. So I didn't realize how much I was aggravating it. And by the end of the second year, it was just, and we're training, you know, like four to six hours. We're going to competitions every weekend. It's very athletic, and. Yeah, I just uh, by this time, by the end of the second year, I was like, "Wow, this is causing me a lot of pain, a lot of pain. I can't train, and we're losing because I can't train because mm-hmm. this is causing me a lot of pain." And we kind of agreed to um, take it, do it for another year, and then if nothing had changed for me, then I would quit. And that's what ended up happening: is we kind of pushed through an additional year, and by the end of that year, I was like, "Yo, I can't, I can't do this anymore." Yeah, I need to figure out something else. Um, and that was a really important moment for me because at that point it was my entire identity. Like even people in Seattle knew me as the ballroom girl. Um, yeah. And I knew myself as that. My parents knew me as that and the amount of you know money and time they had invested into this thing to be a career. So it was just yeah. a big to tell them that, Hey, I know that, you know, five years ago, I dropped out of school to do this. Right. (laughs) Um, but now I don't want to do it anymore. (laughs) It was just kind of like a big, 
it was a big shift for, for everybody. Well, and I think that's something that really only like an athlete could ever understand the depth of that because dance, dance is the type, I mean, I can't speak for other sports, but as far as dance goes, it's the one athletic thing where you also have to pour a bunch of creativity in and be very vulnerable with expression. Maybe the same thing can go for, you know, things like gymnastics where, you know, you're, you're moving to music at some point, Mm -hmm. but like, and then having that because you find your identity through creativity a lot of times. And then having that, that tool, your body being taken away from you, it feels like everything is stripped. Your creativity is stripped Mm -hmm. away, you know? And I mean, I can, I can definitely relate to that just with, you know, after having kids and uh, experiencing really painful pregnancies and having to like slow down and really having to like take a second look at myself and go, Oh my gosh, like, what do I, what do I do now? (laughs) My whole identity was wrapped up in dance. So man, that must've been really, really hard to have to pause. When did you get injured? Like what age were you when that happened? I think it was 16 or 17. It was right as I had um, started driving, unfortunately. Oh, gosh. I was just like stopped at a light at the bottom of a hill. And the person behind me just was not. Just slammed into you. Just didn't stop. Yeah, it was like some big, big Hummer or something. So, yeah, not a fun time. But, yeah, you actually just reminded me. I would have during especially those last couple years, I would have nightmares about not being able to walk. And like being in a wheelchair. My gosh. I was trying to figure out what those were about, right? What my what my brain was telling me. And again, in retrospect, I really feel like I was so heavily reliant on my body back then. Mm-hmm. Like my body was the only thing um cr- creating and crafting my career, uh, that I felt extremely dependent on it and it was kind of mm-hmm. faulting. Now it's like I feel way better because I can at least choreograph and teach and um, it doesn't feel like it's all about me and my physical vessel anymore. So let's dive into that a little bit because I want to hear maybe like maybe if there's someone who can relate to this in the sense that, you know, they've been an athlete their whole life, they experienced a debilitating injury or, uh, you know, more in my situation, uh, a person who was very active up until they became pregnant and then struggled with their pregnancy and is having a hard time kind of refining themselves. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of, kind of tell us a little bit about how you overcame that? Did the injury ever heal? Did you have to adjust? What did that shift look like for you now? Yeah. um, Well, after that all happened, that's when my relationship with dance completely changed, right? Dance became an avenue for healing for me. So Mm -hmm. I stopped dancing um, competitively completely, but instead I started using movement as a way to allow my body to just kind of tell me what it needs um, paired with, you know, a bunch of like, obviously I had to go to PT and all that stuff and yoga, but um, yeah, allowing myself to slow down was really difficult, but really needed. And it made, gave me the opportunity to find and create a new space for myself and and what I could offer. Um, I don't, 
I mean, everybody's injury journey is really, really different. Mm-hmm. But I mean, look at you. You're you're hosting a podcast and <laughs> being a super mom and teaching literally the next, you know, uh, the next wave of dancers. And I mean, you've taught me and given me so much. So it's like, would you be doing all of this if if you know you were still in I don't know, like in LA doing right, right, um, doing those classes? So I think it just unfolds, and no one ever sees it when it's them. Right. <laughs> That's very yeah, true. Nobody sees it when it's them. For me, I though. personally feel like like my experiences and my struggles have shaped me to be a better educator. And so in that sense, I'm I'm very grateful for having to go through those difficult times because my ultimate goal and my ultimate gauge of success is the success of the people that I'm educating. Mm-hmm. So it sucks to be injured. It sucks to be in a position where you feel like, you know, things are ripped away from you. And I think in my situation, I'm, you know, (laughs) in hindsight, (laughs) I am very grateful for those. And thank you for the kind words. I appreciate that. Of (laughs) course. One of the, uh, one of my favorite reflection prompts that we give dancers is, um, uh, it's a, it's the week where we honor our weaknesses. So Mm. we, we talk about our weaknesses and how, they have shaped us. And I always use the quote, I think it's Picasso, not sure, but the quote is no artist can paint on an infinite canvas. Ooh. And I remind myself that a lot is that our constraints are what shape us. They're what keep us creative. They're sometimes what give us direction more so than our successes. Um, that reminds me so much. Actually, I just watched something. Um, I believe, do you know who David Goggins is? no he's like literally a superhuman he was like a he went through navy seal training several times for the hell of it because he's like literally just this mentally unstoppable guy uh but anyway he was he was saying um when there you have the choice whether to stay put or expand so it's it's the choice of like either like contracting in on yourself when something happens and you and you stay in this small space or choosing to, like, instead of just accept it, you have to figure out how to now move out of that constrained space and figure out how to expand so you can choose, is this going to hold you back? Or are you mm-hmm. going to get creative and really open your mind to how do I expand past these boundaries right now? So that, yeah, yeah that reminds me a lot of that. That's yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I bring up, I bring up Fosse a lot because um, Bob Fosse had like pigeon toes and, um, because he was pigeon toed, he created an entire style of dance that now people have to learn to do. Um, Can you, can you give just a quick, just for context for people who don't know who Bob Fosse is, who, who is this man in uh, dance history? Um, he made a lot of, uh, really iconic um scenes in on broadway and in musicals let's link like uh, absolutely we can link some link, stuff yeah big spender and um i can't think of it like a uh, sweet charity right there's a lot of moves that i feel like are now just if you can trace them back to bob fossey so there's probably yeah. probably everyone has at least seen a very iconic fossey mm-hmm. move in a movie in yeah. some sort of clip. Yeah. yeah very absolutely. iconic. Um, yep. 
speaking of iconic, I would love to know, like, who are your influences? I know you've, you've listed uh, quite a bit of <laughs> artists and I, I love that you just, I love the way that you talked about them in, in terms of what their mentality is like and how they navigate their careers. So kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah, I, I usually am very inspired by uh, multimedia artists. So maybe uh, dancers that started as dancers, but then became creative directors. I'm inspired by uh, Daniel Cloud Campos is actually, I don't think he's on social media right now because he's busy making a claymation, which (gasps) is just so crazy. But he was like an incredible dancer and then became a director, choreographer. And now some of his stuff lately has just been like, I mean, it's always been amazing, but the music videos that he's posted recently, I'm like, ah, it's amazing. Um, I mean, I'm also really inspired by artists, uh, dancers who became singers. Mm. I feel like that is something I I hold in high regard. So FK Twigs was a dancer that became a singer. Um, Christine and the Queens was someone that was a dancer that became a singer. So it really, uh, I really like people that aren't afraid to pivot. Mm. And um, I mean, Paris Goebel is a great example of someone that literally just does whatever she wants. And she's the freaking <laughs> whenever, queen. Whenever she wants, she's like, oh, I just want to release an album of music that I made, but I'm not a singer, so I'm not going to go on tour, but I'm going to release it and make like music videos and then keep choreographing for the Super Bowl. Like, cool. All right. Yeah. Just going to release a book the same year. Got it. Just a queen. Yeah. Um, So yeah, those are the people I look up to the people that don't really have bounds. I love that. Well, and I love, I, I, that word pivot sticks out to me so much. Uh, right now, my the word that I have been really kind of meditating or vibrating on that's just really stuck with me uh, is the word shift. And I feel mm-hmm. like they, you know, yeah. they really align. And it doesn't surprise me that you and I have very similar um, <laughs> values in that at all. So speaking of pivot and shift and all those things, can you tell me about how you've had to adapt uh with you know running running a business as a young woman um in a pandemic when artistry is probably the last thing on people's minds because most people are just trying to survive and i i can relate in that sense because me trying to run a training business has been crazy <laughs> i mean and it's not it doesn't even have the artistic element in it so how have you shifted and pivoted during this time with your business oh man yeah um, rewind to beginning of 2020, end of 2019. The good had, old days. <laughs> yeah, we had our we had our debut of our academy program and performances, and I think everyone was on. I want to say month five or month six of our pro, or not month, week five or week six of our program before we had to shut everything down. Um, we quickly transitioned to online. Um, as did everybody thinking the pandemic would only last like two weeks. That was so cute of us. Yeah. (laughs) How naive we were. (laughs) Yeah. And then it was just so uh, difficult to, you know, um, 
keep everyone on board via Zoom, especially for a heels class. But mm. we talked to some of our students now and they say that those were actually really, really important sessions because we kept our sessions going until the end of the season that um, that year just over Zoom. And we made them way more reflective, uh, made way more creative movement based. Mm. And a lot of people that took those sessions are still really, really good friends now, even though we're back to in-person things. And I ended up pivoting my teaching to be very um, informative and kind of, not that it wasn't informative before, but I know what you mean. (laughs) Very like, um, we use a platform called Kajabi and I've wanted to do this for a long time, but I built an eight week course that is very much step-by-step heels um, you have assignments that you turn in and homework that we give you every week. And then I live- use Kajabi for several different things uh, as a student. And that's really cool that you were able to launch your own course. Yeah. I really wanted to make something that was um, like, yeah, made, made people feel like, especially during the pandemic that they were really getting um, something outside of just, you know, a weekly zoom session with me. Mm-hmm. Um I wanted them to feel like we were involved. So they had a schedule that kept them on track and um, yeah, just a community because you can have like a community page on Kajabi. It was just really, it was really great. Um, But yeah, the pandemic allowed me to pivot and start my own online programs, which I would have not had the energy to do if um, we had continued going in person. So I'm super grateful for that because now we have that kind of Z theory base. It's called Z theory foundation. So it's, it's the foundation of my heels technique and then also artistry as well. And now, um, I mean, most of the students that are in all of our other programs have taken that course and are able to review it whenever they want. And it just, it just gives us a really, really nice um, way jumping off point for people. But yeah, when we got back to in-person classes, I was very, very happy. It was an it was an ease in. Um, yeah, it was an ease in for sure. A couple months ago, or not a couple months. When did we start in-person classes again? Oh gosh, my perception of time doesn't exist. Yeah, that's how I feel too. I was like, oh, twenty nineteen. <laughs> I feel like it was closer. It's closer to a year than it is a couple of months, but I don't think quite a year. I would love to also, and just as much as you're comfortable with, um, kind of talk about the aspect of mental health during this shift and this pivot, because I know that this has been very taxing on everyone in very different ways. So what are some of the things that you, I guess, maybe even some of the obstacles that you've encountered over the last couple of years with this pandemic and, and balancing all the things, um, and how, how are you working to, to get through that or at least manage it? Because at this point there's, <laughs> there's no yeah. end in sight. We just have to find That's a, a way. Great question. If anyone else has any answers to that, I am willing to take them. Um, it has been really hard um, for everybody, obviously. Honestly, um, these programs that I've been making have been helping me just as much as they've been helping my students. Um, right. As it, I feel like serving 
others is a way of me serving myself. Unfortunately, I really struggle with showing up for myself um, just as myself. It's way easier for me to show up for other people. So um, right as the pandemic started, I right away jumped into like hosting classes and um, hosting. Yeah. Like uh, we had Quarren Queen going, which was like yes. a reset program that was like half mindset and half working out. And it's like, I only realized this after, but yeah, with it's, it's really difficult for me without my students to, to continue the structure that I personally, I needed reminders that I wasn't alone in this. And my way of finding those reminders was to uh, either create or participate in communities that were also coming together. So for me, that was, yeah, Corn Queen and um, my programs. And then Sherry also at Westlake Dance Center was really good about making um I, she had like monthly showcases so mm-hmm. artists could continue performing um and got us back to teaching as soon as she possibly could so it was very much a community <laughs> a very much a community effort um on a personal level <laughs> this is going to sound funny but i i definitely had 2019 was one of like the most isolating, depressing years of my life where I was pretty much already living in COVID circumstances without right. realizing it. Um, I very much was in my room all the time. Like now, again, in retrospect, realizing it, um, I was all already kind of experiencing what happened to us during COVID. So when the pandemic came along, I was very much in a place of, oh, this is my chance. I felt this way. This is my chance to lead and guide so that other people won't have to go through those emotions. And Mm -hmm. I could almost, I just knew what I needed at the time. So I just was trying to give that to other people. Yeah. The pandemic started. So I guess I'm not the best person to ask is what I'm saying is I'm good at providing that for other people. But when it comes to, when it comes to showing up for myself, that's something I'm really um, kind of trying to figure out day by day as well. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, thank you for being honest and, and vulnerable about that because I think a lot of people have a hard time admitting that, or like we would like to think that we're, I mean, and I'll just say this in the perspective of a mom, because that's, you know, that's a lot of my audience, our parents, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're very good at providing for others and giving to others. And then by the end of the day, when the kids are in bed, you kind of like, you're just looking at this empty cup, like, wow, I really have nothing left for myself. And that can be like a very, um, a very scary feeling. So, you know, it definitely is a, a journey of learning how to do that. And it's definitely going to take a lot of pivoting uh, to learn exactly what that looks like for yourself. Mm. And I will attest to the fact that you are very, very good for showing up or at showing up for others. Mm. And I, I am very glad that at least, you know, the community of Seattle has a really great female leader to help at least just kind of bridge that gap between isolation and community. 
just in in the small in the small way, it's very very impactful. So mm-hmm. thank you. Yeah, no, I, I just say, love you. <laughs> I just realized. I think one thing that has helped me um, this year is asking for help. Like. Mm. That has been really hard for me. That's not something I usually do. Because I, again, I feel like I'm always leading, but um, asking for help from my team that helped me run the programs. I think before I was so focused on being a leader, they, they would they would kind of take me and shake me and be like, we're here to help you. Like, if you need help, ask us. And yeah, I would just never allow myself to get to that point. And this year I have been opening up a little bit and allowing that to happen. And even sometimes help from students if they, um, especially during the live classes, like if we need, you know, either help, it's something simple, like helping pack up lights or something after a class or help talk to us and like listen through an idea. So yeah. been really grateful for that little growth spurt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's important. It, it has always been important, but I feel like especially over the last two years, it has become now apparent that support should be a priority mm-hmm. and whatever support looks like in your own life, whether it's, you know, just, uh, the people in your family, the people outside of, your family where you're depending on friends or respected professionals or whatever that looks like for you, for your situation, it's so important to ask for help. And I think that is one thing that a lot of us are learning very, very slowly, but thankfully Mm -hmm. learning. And, you know, it might take a little while, but having someone to rely on, even if it's just for that one moment, it's, it's really great because people, people do want to help. Um, and I think, I mean, at least for myself, I, I love helping people and my, my intentions are, are always there. And I, I, it would be hard for me to believe that I'm the only one, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if people need help, I would love to give it. And so learning, okay, I can ask too. That's completely all right. Is, is one of those things that, oof, you just have to just rip the bandaid off and just do it. Say, I need help. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you'll eventually, you'll eventually get that support. You just have to ask for it. That's right. Totally. totally. I love that. Um, I would love, so <laughs> this is super random, but can you teach me how to say be bold, be fit in Russian? Ooh. Okay. Hold on. I need to figure out what bold is in Russian. It translates uh, slightly strangely. So I'm trying to but it works. Okay. Are you ready, Chloe? I'm I'm ready. Okay. Be bold, be fit. Buď smelem, buď forme. Buď smelem, buď forme. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> Just there it is. <laughs> we'll we'll call that we'll call that a winner. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was great. You just you just A plus. <laughs> Thank A+. you. A plus. You're a great teacher. <laughs> That's fantastic. If there's anything else you want to talk about before we sign off, uh, it's open floor. So is there anything else that you wanted to? Well, I have two thoughts, actually. Sure. Well, three. One, thank you. Love you. (laughs) Thank Um, you and love you. (laughs) Two is 
I think I'm just thinking back to your question of how to explain heels dance to people that haven't, um, haven't experienced it before. Absolutely. Um, I mean, a big part of my journey was after I retired from ballroom, um, I was searching for a long time to find where my home was in dance. And when I found heels, I was like, oh, this is a great avenue to express myself and have my only constraint be a shoe. That's literally the only constraint. It's not, there are no rules. In ballroom, there were so many rules. It was so freeing to know that my only constraint was a shoe. And very quickly, I learned that heels dance was a place to feel empowered and feminine and sexy, which I haven't, I hadn't felt ever really. The main thing is, um, yeah, I learned that heels can be a space for empowerment um, and sensuality and femininity, but it can also be whatever you want. It's mm-hmm. a shame. So it became a really safe space for me to explore all the nooks and crannies of who I was as a female. And um, that's what I try to kind of um, get across in all my classes. So sometimes we're powerful sometimes we're soft and delicate sometimes we're aggressive sometimes we're emotional like it's just it's been a really great space to embrace my own duality and mm. other people's duality so that's why that is why I love movement so much because it's like physically moving your body even without the dance aspect of it just truly shows you what your limits are how to push past them. It forces you to be creative. But I just, I love what you said about, you know, the shoe being this catalyst for exploring yourself as a woman, because, you know, a heel is like an, it's like an icon of, Mm -hmm. you know, what people perceive as feminine. And so that's, that's cool that you've been able to create a whole business based off of a shoe and find yourself based off of a shoe. That's just amazing. I love that. Yeah. So if anyone has never taken it before, I I think I just want to get um, people away from the perception that it has to be something specific. It doesn't have to Mm. just put on heels at home and dance in them and you would still get the same, um, have the same, what was the word you used? Catalyst. Yeah. Yeah, the same freedom um, to kind of find those elements of yourself. Yeah, it sounds to me like heels heels for you allow you to explore and express your power and potential. Totally. I love totally. that. Thank you for um, making that a succinct, beautiful statement. You're saying. welcome. Tweet that one out. Boop. Yeah. <laughs> Great and then my third question was um, for you is balancing being a mom and running a business because I'm getting to that awkward point where I walk down the street and instead of noticing the dogs, I notice the babies and I'm like, (laughs) Oh, yikes. That's not good. Because that means, you know, it's, it's on my radar now, which before it wasn't at all. So I very much am mindful of how will I run this business and how will I run my lifestyle in order to be, at least somewhat balanced with potentially having a family in the future. That is like several episodes in itself. So I'll try and simplify as best I can. I think for me, number one, 
having kids actually made me more resourceful. It made me more creative. It made me more flexible and it made me less judgmental. Um, that includes outwardly and for myself, because mm -hmm. I mean, as you've already been experiencing, like in this last hour, just having to, you know, having, having interruptions, it's just part, it's just part of it. And you learn how to adapt to, to parenthood. I, I feel like, I feel like I also love the fact that it, this, this can be taken so many different ways. For me, like if I, if I'm being really, really transparent, which is crazy to say out loud, I never felt like I would be the best. Like prior to having kids, I never felt like I would be the top choreographer, the top athlete, the top trainer, whatever it was. I just, I was like, I felt like I should want to get there. Like, sh shouldn't I want to strive to be the best? But I didn't understand that it was it was outward. I wanted to be the best in comparison to my competition. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I felt like I was selling myself short because I didn't actually want to get there. If that if that makes sense. Yeah. Like yeah. I had the drive, but I was also like, this this mountain is too big to climb. Having kids like helped me shift my perspective to understand that it's first of all, it's okay to not be the best. It's okay to just be exactly where you're at as long as you're the best version of yourself in the moment. And my kids give me a chance to prove that every day. So if my best that day is I got up, my kids are fed, there's a roof over our head and we have each other, that's enough. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be the best freaking mom in comparison to all the mothers out there. I'm the best mom possible for my kids. And that, that affirms so many other things in my life because I'm not necessarily saying it's just okay to be mediocre. Mm. What I'm saying is it's okay to accept the place that you are in the moment and be proud of it versus I know I still have work to do and I'm going to beat myself up because I'm not quite there yet. It's more, I know I have work to do. I'm so proud of how far I've come. And I, I'm really excited about this potential that's in front of me. And mm -hmm. I think also just like thirdly, seeing everything through a child's eyes really helps align my priorities. And what happened for me was all of the, all of the extra noise after having kids, all the extra noise of like what I thought I wanted for my life, what I thought I wanted for my career. And, you know, I, like originally I wanted to be this top choreographer doing like what Paris Goebel is doing, but I realized that actually didn't align with what I truly wanted, which was a family. And now mm -hmm. I've been able to still be very impactful in my, in my line of work without having, so I made sacrifices, but not the ones that actually really meant anything to me, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that like you, there's no real way to know, but do know that once you have kids or once you become a mother, whether you're, you know, a biological mom 
or an adoptive mom or a foster mom or however, however parenthood shows up in your life. Moms have a superpower. I swear (laughs) to God, as soon as you become a mother in any aspect, like it just becomes very clear. Like your priorities just become very clear. You don't know how you're going to get there, but you're just going to jump in and do it. Mm. And like, just based off of how well you treat complete strangers who want to better themselves, (laughs) you're going to be the absolute best mom. And Mm. I have no doubt in my mind that your, your kids are going to look at that sacrifice and you striving to run a successful business, learn how to work on your self-love and your self-care in the downtime and you're watching you kick ass in your field of work is going to be an amazing tool for your kids to see, mm. you know, by setting the example. I think there's, there's a big, there's a big perception that I feel like people have to give up so much to be a parent in a sense is very true because there's a lot that you just, you have to pick and choose. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's so great to be able to do what you do and have your kids see you striving and pushing, especially because it's harder. And then to see you flourish, that hopefully will teach. My whole goal is just for my kids to see me like busting my ass, doing something that I love, Mm -hmm. no matter how difficult it is. So they'll pursue the things that they enjoy and are actually passionate about when they're older, you know, versus just doing what society tells them to do. Yeah. That's all I'll say about that because I could go on for mm, years, <laughs> years and years. Your own podcast episode. I mean, that's why I started it. Just so I could yeah. talk about, just be like, hello, yeah. microphone. Are you my therapist? <laughs> can we, <laughs> can we talk about this? Well, it'll help a lot of people. That's, that's the hope. Yeah. That's, that's the dream. <laughs> I know. I know you as a dance educator too. You've always, you're in it for the people, not for the the payoff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the people are the payoff, right? Exactly. The stories and yeah, the stories you hear and the transformation. And mm-hmm. just, Something amazing about being like a part of that journey for someone else. It's no better feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. So on that note, tell us where we can find you uh, online. How can we connect with you uh, or see some of this dance uh, content? Where can we find you? Yeah, um, my company's name is Z Theory. You can find it at uh, ztheorydance.com or Z Theory on Instagram or Facebook. My personal artist name is Natalia Z because my last name is very long. Zroshevskaya. So. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Let's go, Chloe. Working on it. <laughs> Natalia Z um, on Facebook, Natalia Z on Instagram as well. And then in order to see my dance things, I have a YouTube channel. Um, and that is just youtube.com slash Natalia Z. Also. And I'll link, I'll link that in the um, show notes as well. So if you're listening, and you have no idea what that is. You can just click the description. It says, see more, click see more. And at the bottom, I will put all of these links right in there. So you can just go directly to connect with Miss Natalia. Yeah. And if anyone has any uh, questions about dance related things or dance related training, just feel free to shoot me a DM. I always, uh, 
I love questions. So absolutely. And how, Ooh. And also like, if, if anybody listening is like, this has piqued my interest, I want to dance in heels, never done it before in my life. What would be their best first step? Well, we have an eight week foundation program. It's called Z theory foundation. So it's heels and artistry foundation. And Um, when you purchase it, there's an online only option and a hybrid option. So part of the course is via video tutorials that you can take in your home. And then every week we have a live session where we check in with you and do mindset and movement prompts and connect within the community. And that's also where I give feedback and stuff. So we actually just finished up our season. Really great, really transformative. Um, it's served as a really amazing space for um, people, both people that have never danced before to feel like they have a strong foundation and intermediate dancers uh, to come in and feel like they have a safe space to explore. Because a lot of the time when we're in class and there's a bunch of people around us and mirrors and teachers teaching things, um, it's really easy to get in our heads. Mm So I love it. It's my baby. It's what (laughs) I spent all quarantine making. So um, it very much dissects how to walk and how, how to strengthen your body in order to safely walk in the shoe um, and how to strengthen your mind in order to feel more confident while dancing. So, well, and let's just be honest, I'm sure after two years of sitting at home in our pajamas, we could all probably use like a quick heels refresher just for the sake of like existing, uh, and wanting to wear <laughs> more, uh, you know, fancy outfits. <laughs> so uh, no, totally. And it's, again, it's always more than just about the heels, right? The heels is a shoe and the we heels learn is a shoe. It, but it's about the energy and uh, the essence behind it. So Ooh, energy and essence on that note. Thank you so much. Love you much. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Thanks for listening. Mwah.